0: Today, I want to share a word with you going from Luke chapter 15. So let's open our Bibles together to the book of Luke chapter 15, a very familiar story. Sometimes we call it the prodigal son or the lost son. We're going to start there and we'll also share something out of Kings as well. Luke 15 verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off on a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country, and went, who sent him to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know, this is a very familiar story to the Christians, if you've been in church at any time, and um, you know, there's a, a number of different angles and messages that have been preached. You know, we talk about uh, the grace of God and his mercy for this lost son. We talk about the goodness of the father that shows the goodness of God. We talk about the religious spirit of the older brother who, you know, hey, dad, look what I've done all these years and you've never, you know, cut the, the fatted cow for me, you know. So it's a lot of different angles can be preached here. But uh, I just want to look at it from this angle today. I want to talk about changing your future. Changing your future. You know, we have to sometimes come to the realization that I need a change. Many of us in here have, um, you know, recognized that need for a change in our life and sought out and God sought us. And we came to him as he reached out to us. And there was a change that took place, but it starts with the realization that I need a change. We can end up like this story is familiar to so many people, you know, how did I get here? This man finally, you know, looked up from a pig pen. He uh, he was from a good family. Uh, His father was wealthy. He gave him his inheritance. He took that, and the Bible says clearly he squandered his inheritance with wild living. There's been so many people that have um, you know, squandered how they were raised, some in, uh, in good homes, in Christian homes, others maybe not raised in a family like this, raised in a struggling home, in a, a home of contention, in a home of um, addiction, in a home of struggle. But at some point, all of us need to come to the realization where he is, I need a change. Something's got to give. How did I end up like this? Why am I here? Why, why is this such a mess? So there must be, you know, we, we come to the place where there must be a better way. Whether it be in your whole life or could be something in your marriage, just say, hey, there's got to be a better way. What, what's going on wrong here? There's time for a change. It could be in your finances. Lord God, something's got to give. This has been going on for too long. I need a change in my finances. I need a change of jobs. I need a change in how I'm dealing with my children or how I'm, I'm, uh, my attitude toward life. There has to be sometimes a realization and recognize our need and admit there's a problem. Amen? Amen? That's usually the first step to a change. We'll hear this man after his squandering his wealth with wild living. We don't know how long that went on. But it says after he had spent everything, there was a famine in the whole country. He began to be in need. and not that something that sometimes we won't look up? Until we're in a pit. Sometimes it takes that. I've prayed with families before who are praying for a lost loved one or a struggling one. We pray, Lord God, whatever it takes, are you ready to pray that? Are you ready for something to happen? A crisis to take place where, you know, someone gets busted, someone goes to jail. Someone someone needs a stop in their life to the point where something's got to happen to make them look up. Some of us had to get there before we would. Amen? Well, that's what this guy was. He had squandered his wealth. He had gone through a lot of things in life. Apparently, he was having a good time for a while, as long as, you know, he had the money and the friends were hanging around. But you lose it all, man. They're not there, are they? You know? You ever wondered where your friends were when you were in the prison cell? Where are they now? You know? Where are, where are my buddies that I used to party with or used to go here with? Where are they now? Here he is. And he has nothing, and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. No one gave him anything at that point. You know, I I like to say, we have to recognize a need, admit there's a problem. In order to change your future, church, we must learn from the past, make a quality decision in the present, and carry out that decision into the future. Amen? We look at our past. We look at our, our struggle. We learn from it, learn from the past, and then it comes to the point where we have to make a decision. I'm ready for a change. I need help. Ready for a change. Change me, Lord. Show us what should we do different in our relationship and our marriage. What should we different in in how we're raising our children. What should we do different on the job and our finances. What should we different in our health, in our mind. What should we diff- do different in our spirituality. Lord God, I'm ready for a change. We make a quality decision, and then we carry it out. We've got to come to the point where we say enough is enough. I'm tired of having this victim mentality. You've met people with a victim mentality. There's always something wrong. There's always a problem, and it's always someone else's fault. You know? Well, my job did this. My mother did that. My family did this. My girlfriend did that. My boyfriend did that. You know, this, this is the way it is. And always a victim of a, someone else causing your circumstance and always looking, you know, I'm a victim. It's time to change as a Christian and make those changes and follow Christ and become, have an attitude of a victor rather than a victim. Always what what everybody else has done to me. This is is why I'm in poverty. This is why I'm in pain. This is why my job's not working out. This is why. uh, Quit blaming everyone else with a victim's mentality of what everyone's doing and start rising up and claim the victory that Christ has won for you. It takes a quality decision, and sometimes it takes a place where I believe now, when I hear about a crisis, I praise the Lord. You know, get calls all the time as a pastor. There's crisis going on in this life or this life. Praise the Lord. A crisis is good because a crisis brings about a change. Some folks won't make a change till the crisis hits. Amen? So I hear about crises in people's lives and they call and say, come on in. Let's talk about it. God's about to do something special in your life. Are you willing to listen and make some turns? Amen? got to carry it out in your future, instead of living a lifelong pity party, you know, waiting for someone else to bail you out or looking for the government to be your mama. Time to make some changes in our own life. Come out of the pit and quit complaining and rise up. Let's look what he did. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Here it goes. What is Christ saying here? When he came to his senses... Finally got to the point, hey, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned comes a point where we say, hey, I will recognize, you know, I believed in God once. I believed in Jesus. I, I, I had this. I've been wandering around in my life with all these struggles. There comes a time where we say, you know what? I'm going to go back to Christ. I'm going to go follow him. I'm going to go back to walking in his way. I'm going to turn. I'm turning from this. I'm repenting, and I'm coming back to you, Lord. Amen? Amen. He says, he came to his senses. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Man, it's good to apologize. It's good to ask the one you've hurt, whether you've, you know, left your children for this, that, or the other. It's good to write them a letter, talk to them, apologize. I am sorry for what I have done. It heals you and heals them. It's good in a marriage, in a home, in a family, at a workplace. You're showing up late for work, and the boss has to get on you rather than you know getting mad at him and causing and getting other few workers to be mad at them. Repent and turn. I'm sorry. It was me. I'm late. I'm the one. Recognize. Your fault in it. Admit you have a problem. Repent and turn. Receive a rebuke. Receive a rebuke. Instead of being defensive, listen to it. Man, that person giving you a rebuke could be right. If they're wrong and they're just saying something out of hateful, then you just don't let it it sink in. But if they're right, listen to it. And humble yourself and receive it. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. We need to be able to receive correction. So here he was being corrected by the pigs. And he was willing to receive it. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now, praise God. You know, I want to tell you something. We are all in the natural sense somewhat of a a product of heredity and environment. You know, you are. You are a, a product of some of the, you know, a, a, of what you are today is a lot to do with results of choices we made yesterday, but also in the natural sense, some of it as a product of heredity and environment. Yes, see, some things you're born with, some things you're born with, that's heredity. You know, you inherited your, you know, your father's height, you know, or the color of your mother's eyes. Or your hair, what, what race you were born into, you know? What, uh, you know you, some things you were born with, the traits, your body type, okay? Some things of some different talents, abilities that was passed down, some different things. Some things, praise God, you're a product of heredity, you know? Praise God. Some of these, um, you know, we watched, watched uh, football last night. It I was kind of late. Did LSU win? It was late. When, when they played late. What was the score? 45-16. One big. Man, some of those guys, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you work as an athlete. Some of you just can't get there from here. <laughs> some of that's inheritance. Okay? I mean, you can work hard and, and hone some skills, but, you know, that's not going to make, you know, you're not going to go from a, a, a 10-inch vertical jump to a 32 by working hard. That's a gift. It's inherited, okay? Some things you can, you can improve, but praise the Lord. There's different kinds of inheritance that, you know, you have been born with. I said, but there's also, you're a product somewhat in the natural sense of your environment, some things you were born into. Some things you're born with, some things you were born into your environment. In other words, where you were born, how you grew up. You know, some some of us, praise God, we're born in America. We're blessed. It's a joy. But you didn't choose that. You were just born. Some of it's environment. Um, What language you speak? We travel to Africa. We go to different countries. We see things where, you know, this person speaks Swahili and speaks English because that's the product of their environment. They grew up in their home speaking Swahili. Because that's where they grew up. That's what they learned. What you saw, what you took in, what you heard became a part of you. Listen to me. Okay, so, you know, and yet in schools, they're starting to learn English. So a lot of people over there, they speak their native language and they speaking some English also, some of them three different languages. It depends on your environment where you're brought up. If you were raised in a home that speak in love and speak in life and speak in Christ and speak in blessing, that becomes a part of you. And that's God's best way for parents and grandparents to teach their children and train them up in the way they should go. But some grew up in dysfunctional homes and the environment was negative and cussing and fighting and drugs and alcohol and abuse and rejection and neglect. And that might have been part of your environment and some of your environment shaped the way you think and shaped who you are. So we're a product sometimes in the natural sense of our our inheritance um, physically, our heredity. And our environment. Hey, some of uh, what you grow up, the, the language and the culture, the religion, some of we're born into and grow up in whether this denomination or this type of religion or that. And it affects who we are, our education, our wealth, wealth or poverty, which religion, the influence of family, parents, good examples or negative. A lot of this shaped our life. But church... What I want to say is, but now you're grown. I'm speaking to adults in here. The nursery's back there, and the children's church are over there. Now you're grown. You don't have to continue to live the way you were shaped as a child. You don't have to continue to be and to act out of the environment of how you were raised or what you were before. We believe, praise the Lord, if any man is in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. So you don't have to let your past or how you were raised or your heredity or your environment shape who you are anymore. It can change now. We're grown you no longer have to blame or you cannot, can no longer blame your behavior on your conditions or your environment. We can't have the victim mentality. This is how I was raised. This is how I was rejected. This is what happened to me. And this is why I am what I am. No, you have a choice now. You're a grown person. This man had a choice. He could have listened to his father and taken taken advice from him. And his father might have told him, "Boy, you're not ready to handle your inheritance. Stay here a while longer. Get involved in the family. What's going on? You you can't handle it." But maybe his dad just let him make his own choice, and he made a stupid choice. He went and took it. He couldn't handle his own freedom, and he got involved in all the junk of the world. Squandered his wealth, and now he's sitting by a pig pen, starving. But he recognizes something. At least, praise the Lord, he came to his senses. Your behavior, church, is not a function of your conditions, but of your decisions. Your behavior, who you are now, is a function of your decisions you make. Many struggling in all kind of areas of life. If you want your future to be the same as your present in those areas, just keep on the same course. Whatever area it is, just keep on doing the same thing. You know, we've heard that saying, the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same things over and over and expect a different result. You know, sometimes it comes a time where the Holy Spirit will be leading you in some changes in some areas. That's when we need to stop and humble ourselves and listen. Luke chapter 15 verse 20. The Bible says, well I'll back up to verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. I want to clue in on right there. So he got up. So he got up. God didn't get him up. God didn't pick him up out of the pig pen and turn him and start walking him back to the father. God by his spirit, talked to him, led him, encouraged him, showed him the error of his ways and where there's a better way to go. But it was his choice to get up. You know, some folks not have a job and they're laying in the bed and the Holy Spirit's saying, get up. The Holy Spirit can lead you and speak to you and show you and and encourage you. But you have to get up. You have to choose. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Do you know the whole world's sins are paid for now? Everyone out there who's still struggling in sin, all kind of, their sin is paid for too. But they have to hear it and they have to believe it. And they have to choose to receive it. Amen. The sins of the whole world is paid for. Jesus have to. You, you don't have to pray for your loved one, Lord God, save him. Jesus said, I already did, man. I did what I needed to do. Go tell him and let him make a choice. Jesus doesn't have to go do anything to save your lost loved one. The Holy Spirit's already reaching out. We just got to go in the name of Jesus and speak the word and preach and teach and tell him. And give them the choice to turn and get up or not. Some will, some won't. The Bible says, look, at, you can circle it right there. It says, so he got up. He did. And went to his father. Praise the Lord. I love this next part. The Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Do you, don't you you know that's so good? When we were still a long way off, wherever you were, could have been a prison cell, could have been, you know, in the thick of darkness, the father saw you where you were, saw you where you were, and then it says, saw him, look at verse 20, praise the Lord, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with anger and judgment for him oh wait a minute that's not what it says but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him wow that flies in the face of so much religion that thinks god's an angry god sending the holy spirit out to you know to punish you for all your sin it's not his purpose While he was still a long way off, while we all were a long way off, the father saw us and was not filled with anger and not filled with judgment. He was filled with compassion. He is filled with compassion. The father saw him, was filled with compassion, praise the Lord. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. He runs to you. If you're willing to turn and look up, He's willing to throw his arms around you, pull you in, hug you, kiss you, point you in the right direction. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, quick, to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began... Praise the Lord to celebrate. Man, man, all of heaven rejoices when one lost soul repents, comes to Christ. Amen? Amen. God's for us. He's not against us. Man, I love this, this word. I love the truth of his grace. God is for us. Even if we're sinners, even if we're lost, even if we're the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you to cause you to want to look up and see him. And then you make the choice to get up and turn or not. Amen? But he's there for us. He's a a good God. Go with me now to 2 Kings chapter 3. Deep in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, this is at the time when the nation of Israel was divided after Solomon's great day and 40 years of just wonderful like heaven and a big temple and everything else. The nation was divided. And now we have Israel to the north and Judah to the south. So the rest of Kings and Chronicles is about God's people now divided. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And it's about all the different kings and all the things that happened. And do you know most of the kings of Israel and Judah, the Bible says, were wicked? The leaders of God's holy people... That God chose out for himself to display his glory to one day reach the Gentiles. If you read the Old Testament and see, most of them were not following the word, not following God. And the kings and the leaders were evil. And it was a time of of those kings where we get to this story. And there's a point I want to share with you in this story. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 3. And uh, let's start verse 5. But after that, Ahab died. Ahab, one of the most wicked kings of Israel. The king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram, this is the king of Israel to the north, set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat, the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Praise the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a godly king who loved the Lord and was trying to follow him. Joram and Israel, they had rebelled against God a long time ago. The king of, uh, he said, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go up and fight against Moab with me? I will go with you, Jehoshaphat replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your houses, horses. But what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. Verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Now think about this. You've got the king of Israel who decides Moab has rebelled against this. We're going to go attack them. We're going to go fight them. He goes to the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. Hey, will you go with me? You know, we're brothers. We used to be all of one kingdom. And Jehoshaphat, yes. I'll go. My people are your people. My horse is your people. We're going to go together. And then they talk the king of Edom Edom, to go with them. So we got three kings going to attack this nation of Moab. But the route they're going to get there is through the desert. And after a week marching and going with their horses and their people and their supplies and their food. They run out of water. slap on, There's no creeks. There's no springs. There's nothing. And it doesn't look good. Looks like they're going to die in the desert and they're going to be slaughtered by the, by the, the Moab because they, you know, they have nothing left. If you've you got an army with no water, you can't win. Okay, So there they are and they're struggling. So now they have to seek and see what's going to happen here. All right, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Verse 10, what the king of Israel exclaimed, has the Lord called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? Wow, so Jehoshaphat was a godly man And he's got a problem here with his army joined to Israel. And buddy, you know, this wicked king he's joined himself with didn't have a very good plan. They should have sought the Lord before they went, huh? So now they get in trouble and now they're seeking the Lord. Sometimes we do that same thing, huh? You know, praise the Lord. I'm glad we got a congregation here who wants to come worship the Lord when things are good, when things are struggled, doesn't matter. We're going to be consistent because God is good. Amen? So now they go and they want to, you know, so Jehoshaphat says, is there not, is there a prophet of the Lord here we can talk to? Church, aren't you glad that today you can go to the Lord yourself? Think about it. The whole Old Testament, they couldn't really go directly to God. They had a sin nature and were sinners and God's holy. They had to ask. To hear from God through a prophet. See, the prophets would hear from God. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon them as they were worshiping. The Spirit would come upon them and then they would hear from God and they could speak what they were hearing, amen, to the people. So the people had to go and get a go-between, a mediator, someone to go between God and them. They wouldn't, couldn't even go and sacrifice in the temple to God themselves. They had to give their sacrifices to the priests who would take it to God. So the priests would go from the people to God, and the prophets would go from God to the people. You understand? But aren't you glad, praise the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ was both prophet, priest, and king. Amen. And he is the one mediator between God and man. And because, praise God, because he went and paid the price, by Through the veil of his flesh, we can enter into the very presence of God. And now we don't have to go to a prophet, priest, or your pastor, or others to get to that. You can pray yourself. The Spirit of the Lord lives. If you're a believer and cr- Christian, the Spirit of the Lord lives in you. And you have access to the very throne of grace yourself. Amen. And not just on Sunday. All day, every day. Amen. Amen? So here, Jehoshaphat, the king, you think he'd have a right to go to God? No. He wants to talk to God. He's got to ask for a prophet. But praise the Lord, at least he knows enough to go talk to God, huh? He was a godly king. So Jehoshaphat asks, is there no prophet of the Lord that we may inquire? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So they got word back to Jehoshaphat saying, yes, there is a prophet here. His name is Elisha. And from what I can remember, this dude used to serve Elijah. And they all knew who Elijah was. Amen. Elisha used to serve under Elijah. Amen. Church, if you want to be in in authority, you have to be under authority. All authority comes from God and you can't rebel against it. To be in authority on your job, in your family, you know, whatever you're doing, you must also submit yourself and be under authority. If you're not willing to be under authority, you'll never be in authority. Let that sink in for someone. Amen. Okay. So we submit one to another. Praise the Lord. So Elijah was serving Elijah and he ended up with Elijah's anointing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, Jehoshaphat said, praise God, the word of the Lord is with him. In other words, if we want to hear from God, we can hear it through this guy, Elisha. So, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So, now this man of God's got three kings coming to him. Okay? The king of Israel, Joram the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom. And they don't even mention his name. They come in to, and they're coming to see uh, Elisha. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophetess, prophets of your mother. So Elisha rebukes this king right off, man. Think about it. Three kings come to see him. And he's no respecter of persons as far as what authority they are in. He knows God, and he knows this dude is not of God. See, the king of Israel, whose father was Ahab, was a wicked king. And um, hey, he backed off on some of the things Ahab did, but he was still not following the Lord. And, and if uh, Elisha is a man of God, and he knows it right away, he so said, Why are you coming to me? Why don't you go to your false prophets? You know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, am I going to say that? I got folks calling the church all the time for different kinds of help. And we, we like to help people. So I ask them to come in. I want to meet them and talk to them. But, you know, a lot of them never been to church or don't go or don't give to a church. They just want the church when it's time for help. So I say, well, what church do you go to? don't go to church. Well, if you go to a church, why don't you see your pastor? But in the meantime, I use it anyway to bring them in so I can look them in the face and talk to them. And many times I get to witness and share Christ with them. Amen. Many times I get to lead them to Christ. Well, other times they just want to use the church, you know, to pay their light bill. But they don't want to go to the church. Some call and say, can you do my cousin's wedding? Well, what church does your cousin go to? You want a Christian wedding and a Christian church, but you don't want to go to a church? Bring your fiance in. Let me talk to y'all and see if you want to get saved and follow Christ and then see about it. But I'm not going to make a mockery of a Christian wedding just because you want to do it in a church. You know, that would be kind of a, a mockery or hypocritical to come and want to get married in a church, but don't want to go to a church. So, dude, if you don't want to follow Christ or be a part of his kingdom, then go get married at the justice of the peace of the world. But if you want to listen to me for a while and come to counseling for a few weeks, I'll see about doing your wedding after we get saved. Amen. Are you with me? So, so Elisha does the same thing to this king. You know, this king of Israel comes in. He said, "Hey, what are you coming to me for? You got your own false prophets. Why don't you go to them?" You know. So he gives the king a rebuke. He's not scared. What do do we have? to Go to the prophets of your mother or father. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who calls us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Now that's a confusing statement. He's saying the Lord called them together. And then he's saying the Lord's handing us over to Moab because we're in this desert. Hmm, That doesn't really relate. I don't think the Lord would have called them together to hand them over to Moab, okay, if they were listening. So he says this. And now Elijah says, As surely as the Lord, I'm in verse 14 if you're following. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I did not have respect for the pres- presence, oh, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. So he's rebuking the king of Israel. Say, look, man, if Jehoshaphat wasn't standing here, I wouldn't even look at you. But because I respect Jehoshaphat because he's a man of God, I'll talk to y'all. You hear? This is what what Elisha's saying. Praise the Lord. Now bring me a harpist. Praise God. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. You see, the prophets get in a place. They were called on God to speak the word but they would get in that place of worship, you know? We enter his courts with thanksgiving. We enter his, you know, his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. There's something about coming to God in worship. I encourage us all as we come here and that praise team sets on the floor and to start the first note, that you be an active participator in worship and not a watcher. Sit there, watch whatever. No, no, no. The words are on the wall. You have no excuse. Praise the Lord. I told the whole group right here, guys. This is the praising section. The words are on the wall. They left. Now I wasn't trying to. I not to run y'all off. I was just saying, hey, you know, I'll just encourage you to praise the Lord with me. Hey, we want y'all to come sit here next week with me. We'll still praise the Lord to let together. But worship is a participation sport. Okay. We don't come and watch in the grandstands while the others play. They lead us and we worship with them. So the first thing Elisha wanted to hear from God, he wanted to worship. You hear? Hey, if you're in a turmoil or something going on in your life, you're in a struggle. The enemy's coming against you. There's things happening, um, whether it be, you know, finances, the marriage, the the struggle, you know, your kids, whatever. Instead of being filled with worry and anxiety and, you know, crying out a a bunch of... uh, Doubt. Why don't you just go worship for a little while instead? You got all this going on, but Father, I'm going to stop and praise you for who you are. You're a good, good God, and I'm going to praise you in the midst of this. Come on, didn't Paul and Silas, first thing they did, they got put in stocks and bonds in the prison. What do y'all want to do? Paul said, hey, let's worship. And they began to sing. And then things started happening. Okay? So the first thing... Elisha did, he says, get, get the harpist here. Okay? If it was modern times, he would have said, hey, bring Wayne with that lead guitar, you know? At the time they did the best with what they had, They'd bring the harpist. Now, praise God, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he said, this is what the Lord says. They were seeking a word from the Lord. And God answered, if you're seeking a word from the Lord, he will answer you. He will answer you. If you're seeking a word from the Lord and you go to him and worship and stop and listen, he'll answer you. He'll speak to you. Usually it is a still small voice in your heart. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He says, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle and other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you and y'all will defeat the enemy. They have no water. It's looking like they're going to lose. They're going to die. They seek the Lord and he answers them and he tells them what to do. And here's what he tells them. You're in a desert. Have all these guys pick up picks, axes, shovels, and start digging ditches. I'm going to send the blessing and fill the ditches with water supernaturally, miraculously, and I'm going to water the whole camp, and you're going to be revived. You're going to be strengthened. Your animals are going to be strengthened. You're going to go into war, and you're going to win. But you've got to get up and do something first. Dig the ditches. I'm not dropping this time a bunch of canteens full of water on your head. You get up like the prodigal son got up from the pig pen. He got up and he turned and he went. God didn't make him God said get up and he got up God's telling you you have on some changes in your life if you want to change your future you have to learn from your past make a quality decision in your present and carry it out into your future you seek the Lord and when he shows you hey something's got to give I need to go back to school uh, and my job's not providing for my family I need to do something different I need to you know I need to get involved and in, uh, I need to get involved more in the church. I need to join the fellowship class. I need to start tithing. I'm expecting a a, a blessing. I've got to do it God's way. So, Lord, you're speaking to me. You're showing me. Now I'm going to get up and start doing what you say. They had to dig a ditch. Some of you asking for God to put a check in the mailbox. He's done it before, but He usually does it for somebody that's already been sowing. Hello? And he's telling you, make some changes. You're grown. You don't have to wait for mama to tell you. The Holy Spirit's telling you, if you need to go back to school and get your GED, do it. If you need to go back to school and get an education for a different job, do it. If you need to take some time and learn some things or get under an apprentice and learn a new job, start on it now. Dig a ditch and let the blessings come. But if you don't dig the ditch, the water's not coming. If they, God gave them a word and his word was dig a ditch, dig plenty of ditches, he said fill the whole valley with ditches and then I'm going to pour out the blessing. But guess what, church? If they wouldn't have acted on his word and started digging the ditches, they would have got no water. Hello? We want to see things change Change starts with a decision that you carry out into action. Praise the Lord. If you finish the story, you'll see the water came. They were revived. They won a great victory. One more story that emphasizes the same thing. Second Kings 4, the very next story, teaches the same thing. And we'll close after this story. The Bible says... The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Here's the same Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. She couldn't pay her bills, wondering what to do. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want you to look around and see what you got and use it for his glory. Put it to use. Put it to wise use. Take what you have and start giving it, using it, and let God bless you more. What do you have in your house? What do you have? What skills? What desires? What do you have that you can sow into your future? What do you have, he says? your house. Your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil left. They have oil and meal and make their bread. And it was running dry. Elijah said, go and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. I want you to do something. I want you to go and ask for empty jars. I want you to go collect things. I want you to go get things ready. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. I want to bless you, but you've got to use something you've already got. And you've got to take it and start using it. He gave you a brain. He gave you two hands. He gave you feet. He gave you something you can use. Okay? Try to encourage folks to use it. So many folks come to us looking for help with this and that. And they're waiting on the government to be their God or their mama. Folks, if you want to live off the government the rest of your days, you'll always be in poverty. You sick, you hurt, you this, you that. Pray for healing. So you can work. And do what you can with what you got. And see that he won't bless you with something else. He goes on to say. So she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. This is it. I'm not listening to everybody else in the world I heard from God. I don't care what everybody else says or what they're doing or their input or whatever. I've heard from God. I'm shutting the door on the outside world and I'm going to do what God says right now. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. He said, go borrow some, get some, find some, collect them. Whatever you do, bring them to the house. Bring empty jars, and then take that little you have and start pouring it out. And she poured, and it filled this jar And then she took what was left and she poured it in the next one and it filled the next jar. And do you know how many jars it filled? As many as she worked to get. If she would have got more, it would have kept flowing. She got a bunch and it filled them all. But it would have kept on filling. How about that? Wow. Now, she went out and told the man of God. And and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons could live on what's left. He blessed her abundantly. She sold See, the oil was, uh, you know, it was a commodity that's needed for everything they did. She went and sold it and paid off her debts. Her and her sons got to live with her and say, live off the rest. He blessed her abundantly. But folks, they had to go dig that ditch before the water came. She had to go get the pots before the oil started flowing. Folks, if God wants to bless your future, but in order to change your future, you make a quality decision, you get up and you go with God. God's leading you. He wants to bless you. I'm telling you, the, the greatest entity in the whole world, praise the Lord, is not this kingdom or this business. It's the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. We're the most blessed. We're the most wealthy, the most prosperous organization in the history of the world. It's the body of Christ. He wants to use the body of Christ to expand his kingdom to all the ends of the earth. And he wants to bless you. And there's a way to walk in his blessing. is to obey him and step out with what he's calling you to do. And if you're faithful with the little things, he keeps on pouring more. This church has been faithful with the little things. And it continues to flow more and more to nations now praise God, to to people all over the the state and region through Fresh Start, to the nations of the world through this World Outreach Center right here. God blesses. And this word, praise God, many received 10, 15 years ago and they went out and went to school and got an education and did something or bought a business or got involved and started working diligently and now we've got bunches of families in here that are blessed, that are tithing their 10% and then God doubled their business and they continue to give, but it it starts with being faithful with the little things. I encourage you. People are afraid of that. Oh, don't talk about money. <laughs> Folks, he talks about it all through the word. He says, "If you're not faithful with this little thing, how can I give you the true riches? Bring all the tithe, the tenth, the tenth, the first 10. Of every $100 you get, the first 10 you use goes to the kingdom of God, to the church. Of every 1,000 you get in a paycheck, the first 100. The church doesn't expand and grow by a few folks tipping, you know, a dollar here and 20 here. No, there's a kingdom principle of how he advances the kingdom. It's called the tithe, the 10th. The first 10 is his. You be faithful with this little thing and he can bless you with much deeper things. But he says this, if you're not faithful with money, how can I trust you with true riches? I encourage you, praise the Lord, if you haven't ever stepped out, maybe you're new here and haven't heard this because I usually only preach it in January once a year. I encourage you to start stepping out. If you don't know how to budget it yet and can't reach 10% because you're too spread out with your bills to finance companies and all that stuff, start learning to budget and at least start with 2 or 5%. But keep it consistent and get to 10, and then see if God don't open the windows of heaven and bless your job, your future, your children's jobs, your children's children's jobs. It's a way to step into it. I don't want to do this because we need money. We don't, praise the Lord. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I want to do this to bless you. We want to see you blessed, that you can leave here, whatever time you spend here, whatever church you go to, we want you to tithe there. We want you to start whatever you do and begin to grow and see this in the little things. I'm telling you, and to change your future, we hear from the Lord. We make a quality decision in the present and we start stepping out in faith and carrying it out week by week, month by month, consistent and faithful in all we do. I double dog dare you to accept that challenge. It'll bless you. Okay. Hey, whatever needs changing in your life, whatever area. Whether it's be marriage, family, children, work, whatever. God wants to change and bless you for the better. But sometimes there's some preparation that precedes the blessing. Amen. Father, I pray right now. Lord, you're preparing people in here for some big changes in jobs. And some changes in relationships. Some changes in, in serving you. Some changes in whatever you're leading them. Father, I pray you speak to our hearts. Give us the courage to step out in faith and obey in the little things that you can continue to lead us in what's next. Bless every home and family, health, life, peace. In Jesus' name, amen.